Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church. It is so good to see you. I want to thank you for braving the rain and walking in the doors. You're probably wet and soaked, so we all smell like wet dogs, I guess. And that's okay. That's okay, because this is a safe place to smell that way. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to respond to the greatness of God with you. And I want to let you know that I love you, and my heart is so full as I stand before you today with how I see God working in and through our faith community. My heart is just so full, and so I want to take a few moments and celebrate a couple of things with you, because I know not all of you get to hear this stuff, and so I think it's good for you to be aware of how Valley Point is intersecting with the communities around us, and how God is using us to be a bright light, and pointing people to real relationships and real significance. So last Saturday... We had our very first serving love day of the new season, and I was so encouraged with the amount of people that were here. The best thing about our love days on Saturdays when we host them is that we don't stay in the building. We exit the four walls of this place, and I love that, and we go out and serve and love on the communities around us. We partner with different organizations and we just help them in every possible way that we can so they can further their mission in serving the people that they love. And I'm so encouraged with that particular day and I wanna thank you for supporting that and for being involved. A couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, we also did this. We shot off fireworks for the Garnet Valley High School homecoming. They are our neighbors, we border their property, and we've worked hard to have a healthy relationship with them so that we're more than just neighbors, we're friends. And so for several years, we have been shooting a fireworks show for them, and they are so grateful and thankful for what we have done regarding that, and I wanna thank you for your generosity, which makes things like that possible. A couple of tweets went out from the school district that I wanna share with you. Garnet Valley High School said a huge thank you to our neighbor Valley Point Church for the awesome fireworks display. And then the athletic department, they asked a question, who has good neighbors? We do. Thank you at the Valley Point. And I wanted to share that with you as a way to encourage you with again, just how we're moving about in our community. So thank you for your generosity. Last Sunday was our 48th birthday. Can you imagine? Valley Point Church is 48 years old. And we set a record attendance for the third Sunday in October. We've never had more people on that particular Sunday in the 48 year history of our church. So thank you for inviting. Yes. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for being here. And thank you for creating a welcoming atmosphere where everybody has a seat and a cup of coffee and we can worship God together. 
The last update I want to give you quickly before we jump into our content is that in the lobby is our new master plan model. And hopefully you've been able to check that out. If you haven't, do that today. That represents our future. And what we sense is the best use of our property and the current facilities that we have as well as what we hope to add in the future so that we can continue to welcome many more people into Valley Point story of being a bright light here and wherever God takes us. So please look at that. There are a lot of questions that came out of that particular model, like what is happening next and when do we begin? And I want to let you know that we are strategizing on all of that right now. And as soon as I have more information about what is next and when that will occur, I will share that with you. We are evaluating our current facilities and also our current financial standing to determine what is best for us. And again, when I have that information, I'll gladly share that with you. I will say it is important that we remain on our weekly budget and we give that information to you in our talk notes. It's important that we hit that so we can continue moving forward with the dreams that God has given to us. I also want to let you know that there is a future expansion fund. And if God so moves in your heart and you want to be generous that way, I would encourage you to listen to God's promptings there as that future expansion fund will be what allows us to move forward at the right time. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited about sitting under the mentorship of Simon Peter for one more week. And he's got some really interesting things to say to us today. We're going to actually learn quite a bit from Peter based on his failure. And scripture doesn't hide that from us, which is great news, because I think we all experience the same types of failures in life, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to invite my friend Lee White to the stage. Yeah, please welcome him. Lee White is a former elder here who spent several years helping Valley Point Church succeed and accomplish what God wants for it. A few years ago, God called him and his wife, Jean, to Louisville, Kentucky. Can you imagine? There's no good football in Kentucky. There's not. So we were saddened by that, but God has used them in a church there to do a lot of the things that they were involved in here. He's been a great friend to me personally, a mentor, and I've asked him just to pray over Valley Point Church and over our morning. So Lee, please pray for us. Father, we just say we love you. Uh, we thank you for today, every person that you brought here. We lift up Valley Point and its future, that you will give wisdom and guidance and pave the way for the elders and Eric. We lift up Eric and Tanya and the entire Kohler family, that you'll just keep them strong and help them. Father, today is, a, uh, I think, of 48 years. God, you knew exactly where you wanted Valley Point to do. We thank you for the heart that you've given this church for the love days and serving the community. Um, God, it's just so wonderful to hear. And Father, today, uh, we know scripture tells us that you are present. We thank you for that presence. And God, we just ask that you use Peter's story. Use Eric's voice box today. 
to just help us scoot closer to you. Help us put aside all our distractions and just give us an incredible day. We thank you for this worship team. What an incredible gift, an incredible way of just worshiping you. And God, we lift up Rob, that you'll guide his path as he pursues that musical career in Nashville. God, just shine the light on his path. God, give us an incredible day. Help us scoot closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Will you help me thank Lee? Okay, for the past four weeks now, we have been sitting under the mentorship of the Apostle Peter, this disciple who followed Jesus, and we have discovered that there were moments where Peter was really faithful, and there were also some moments where Peter fell down and he had some issues where he didn't trust Jesus completely, and that's Peter's life, faithfulness but yet failures. I think that sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? We have moments where we're faithful, but yet we have these moments where we also fail and struggle to honor God with our lives. And this is why we love investigating and thinking about Peter. So for Pete's sake, he has been teaching us some great things, and I believe he's going to do that today. Let's begin with some scripture. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 26. We're going to hang out in Matthew's gospel today. I'm going to begin reading with verse 31, and let's allow the life of Peter now to mentor us. Here's what verse 31 says. On the way, Jesus told them, The them are the disciples. So he's walking with them on the way. And Jesus told them tonight, here's what's going to happen. All of you will desert me. On the way, Jesus told them tonight, all of you will desert me. Okay, let's pause there for just a moment because that's quite a statement from Jesus. A little shocking, don't you think? It's like Jesus is just casually walking along with his friends, these disciples, and states, oh, by the way, tonight all of you will be deserters. (laughs) Tonight, that's what's going to happen. All of you will desert me. Again, kind of a provocative statement by Jesus. What does this mean? Well, it's important whenever investigating scripture to look at any verse in its Context. So we're in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Let's roll back and look at what occurs before verse 31. And I would encourage you to do that. At some point on your own, open up Matthew 26 and read the opening verses that lead to this statement from Jesus that tonight all of you are going to desert me. Well, here's what we find when we do that. Jesus talks to his disciples about celebrating the Passover and that they would go to Jerusalem and Jesus would be arrested by the authorities. He would be put on trial and eventually he would be killed. That's what Jesus shared with his followers. That's what's going to happen with the Passover. If you continue to read in chapter 26, you will discover there's information about Judas Iscariot. Judas was one of the disciples and in Matthew 26, he approaches those who hated Jesus. 
And he worked out a deal with them where he would betray Jesus. And so they finalize all of those details and the logistics of how and when and where that would occur. And Judas is actually paid to betray Jesus. Then what we find after that is Jesus gathers in Jerusalem with his close disciples and he shares what is commonly known as the Last Supper with them. And during that Last Supper, before Jesus is arrested and tried and killed and then rises again, during that Last Supper, during that meal where Jesus is demonstrating great hospitality to other people, during that time frame, he looks at his followers and he declares, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to do that tonight. Well, Leonardo da Vinci captured this scene in the iconic 15th century Last Supper painting. It looks something like this. <laughs> All right, that's actually not da Vinci's painting. That's Legos. But oh my, that's amazing, isn't it? Such great detail. Here's actually da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper. And what is fascinating about this is the disciples looked a little perplexed. They looked confused. Now, we don't know if the Last Supper happened this way or not because da Vinci wasn't actually there putting this painting together. He did it after the fact, of course. But I do think... Da Vinci may have picked up on something unique that we find in Mark's gospel. So four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are historical books that talk about the life of Jesus. Mark is one of those authors. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 19, he talks about the Last Supper, how the disciples were gathered, and they're sharing this common meal, and Jesus looks out and says, one of you is going to betray me. And then he uses this phrase. The disciples were greatly distressed. Greatly distressed. Again, I think da Vinci captures that a little bit with his art. That word distressed in the passage, in the construction of the sentence, means to grieve or to cause sorrow or to hurt. So this is how the disciples are feeling. They're grieving at what Jesus just said. They have sorrow over that. And I believe they are actually hurt because this is an amazing statement from Jesus that one of you here will betray me. Why is that such a shocking statement? Well, Jesus is offering hospitality to his closest followers. And whenever we study scripture, we do have to look at the verses before so that we can gain some context. We also have to understand the culture in which these particular verses were written. So this ancient culture valued hospitality in a significant way. It was very important to them. And when you shared a meal with others and you invited them to your table, it was an act of fellowship Dine with me, be with me. I want to share this with you. It is an act of love. It is a time of closeness. 
And so during this very important time frame where Jesus is being hospitable and loving other people and asking them to come close, he declares, one of you will betray me. And I think the other followers were greatly distressed by that. That can't happen. That shouldn't happen, Jesus, because you are being very hospitable. And how is it possible that someone at this table who is benefiting from your generosity and your compassion, your care, and your love would actually betray you? That didn't make sense to them at all. I think they thought Jesus was being a little out there with this particular statement, but they finish the meal and they leave that particular dining table. And that brings us to verse 31. Okay? I hope that makes sense. Before verse 31, Passover, we have to go to Jerusalem. I will be arrested and I will be killed. Judas Iscariot makes a deal to betray Jesus. And then they have this last meal together where Jesus is being hospitable. And he declares, one of you will betray me. So on the way. Jesus told them, tonight, all of you will desert me. It's not just about one person betraying me. All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Verse 33, Peter declared, Here's our guy, and we've been with him for a few weeks. We know he likes to talk, and he's a little bold and courageous, and he doesn't back down here. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. So you can picture this, can't you? Jesus, look. These other guys, I'm not so sure about them. Even if they bail on you, I would never do that. I'm Peter. I'm here, and I've got your back. But Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, not going to happen. It's not going to happen that way. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Okay, here's our big idea for today. So please take out your talk notes and let's walk through this. Spending time with Peter helps us know that while we may have lived at times in ways that are inconsistent with our pledge to follow Jesus, God does not define us by the worst things we have done. That's kind of a long, big idea for us, so let's unpack some of these pieces here. Spending time with Peter. Here we are, week four. More time with Peter, listening to him and watching him and learning from his faithfulness as well as all of his flaws, and he has a significant failure today, and we're gonna learn from that. So we're spending more time with Peter and that helps us to know that while we may have failed at times in ways that are inconsistent with our pledge to follow Jesus, guilty, 
I'm guilty of that. There are many times and many ways where I have been inconsistent with my pledge to follow Jesus. I stand before you as an imperfect individual and my confession to you is that I fail in this way and I am humbled by my sin and I am humbled by a heart that often argues with God while I stand in front of you and say, hey, do what Jesus wants you to do and pursue God. I fail in this way and my best guess is if we were all being honest with ourselves, we would say that we are imperfect people, right? And the guilt just piles on because of those imperfections and the guilt we carry becomes a tremendous burden. Here's the deal with guilt. Guilt mocks us. Guilt laughs at us. That's just what it does. It mocks us and it laughs at us and it keeps us from living the kind of life that Jesus freed us to live. Well, guess what? If that's how we feel, and we probably all feel that way at times, and this is why studying Peter is so good for us, because we're inconsistent with our pledge to follow Jesus. I'm there. You probably feel the same way. Here is the good news. We have a friend in Peter who gets it. <laughs> like he understands those ups and downs and faithfulness, but yet failure. He gets it. We have a friend in Peter we also have a friend in God who does not define us by the worst things that we have done. We're spending a little more time with Peter, allowing him to coach us and mentor us and teach us because all of us at times have been inconsistent with our pledge to follow Jesus. The good news is we have a friend in Peter and we have a friend in God who does not define us by the worst things that we have done. Okay, back to the story in Matthew chapter 26. By the way, all of this occurs in Jerusalem. I want you to look at the map of ancient Israel one more time because our first three weeks, all of the activity surrounding Peter has occurred around the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of ancient Israel. That's where Peter met Jesus and a lot of different things happened on the Sea of Galilee, including when Peter walked on the water and then sank and Jesus rescued him. All of that occurred there. At some point, remember Jesus said, I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to do that because I will be arrested and then I will be put on trial and eventually killed and I have to go to Jerusalem. Well, at some point they made the 78 mile journey approximately from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem. And that's where we find ourselves today. So all of those things occurred that we talked about in Matthew chapter 26. There's the Last Supper. After the Last Supper, Jesus declares, every single one of you is going to desert me. Peter's like, no way, not me. And Jesus is like, yeah, it will be you. And the supper concludes. And then they travel to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus has this sweet moment this really sweet moment where he opens up his heart and he cries out to his heavenly father. And then Judas comes 
and identifies Jesus as the one. And here's where we pick up in verse 56. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. And it gets worse for Peter, our mentor. Verse 69, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over to him and said, hey, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Delco accent. (laughs) Just wanted to be sure you're still with me. (laughs) You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. So here's what's really interesting to me. Peter's denial is shared in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about the denial of Peter, and they share a lot of other events. Some events are shared in all four Gospels, but not all of them. I've often wondered, why did all of the Gospel writers include Peter's denial and his failure in a pretty epic way? Were they just trying to pile on Peter like, yeah, he was the bold one and the courageous one who said he would never do this, but he did, and we just want that information out there? Is that why it's recorded in all of the Gospels? I don't think so. We tend to minimize failure. That's what we do. And I know that's what I do. We don't want people to know about our failings and our mess-ups in life. We tend to minimize that and hide that so nobody can find these things, but yet what we discover in the Gospels and from the life of Peter, that this became part of his story. Yes, I denied, even though I said I wouldn't. It became a part of the framework for how he served. And what we know historically about Peter is that God did some extraordinary things through him, which just helps us to know God does not define us by the worst things that we have done. If that's true for Peter, and it is, it's also true for every single one of us. God does not define us by the worst things that we have done. Just let that fall into your soul for a moment. God does not define us by the worst things that we have done. Now personalize it. God does not define you by the worst things that you have done. Incredible. And we learn all of this by observing the life of Simon Peter. Let's get to our takeaways. Number one, 
Jesus makes amazing use of flawed disciples. He just does. And that falls on the life of Simon Peter. Jesus makes amazing use of flawed disciples. We end our story here today with Peter running and weeping, and it's not a great scene. But what we will discover next week is that Jesus does indeed rescue Peter. He reaches out to him. He calls Peter back into the game. Like, Peter, that happened. You confess it, and we're going to move on because I have a big job for you. Remember, Jesus called Peter the rock. We talked about this already. Peter, you are the rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus has amazing work for Peter. And so what we will discover is this isn't the end for him, the weeping and the running and the hiding. Jesus restores Peter, and it just helps us to know that Jesus makes amazing use out of flawed followers and disciples. So hear this, and this is really important, so I want all eyes up here for just a moment. If you have ever felt like you are not good enough, if you have ever felt like you are damaged goods, if you have ever felt that you've been disqualified in some way from living a Jesus kind of life, if you've ever felt that way because of something that you've done or something that has been done to you, we have to look to the life of Peter. So if you have ever felt like you're not good enough or you're damaged goods or you're disqualified in some way, forget about it because our mentoring time with Peter helps us to know that Jesus just makes amazing use of flawed disciples. And this is what we find on every page in Scripture. I mean, in this literature, page after page, person after person, they failed in major ways. And yet God does not hide that information from us, which is really good. These breathed out words from God include all of the ugliness of people so that we can get to a point in our lives where we can say something like this. This is Psalm 51. The writer's crying out to God. Just listen to this. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wow. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins and wash me clean. Wash me clean. Yes, this is great news and should be reinvigorating for all of us on a very rainy, ugly day that Jesus makes amazing use of flawed disciples and followers like me, like us, like Valley Point. Takeaway number two, confess and accept God's forgiveness. Perhaps the greatest thing that you could give your time to today is just to get alone with God and get very low and quiet before him and confess. And say, okay, God, here's, here's the deal. Here's all the stuff on the inside. And I wanna just bring this to you. And I wanna confess 
and accept your forgiveness. We can do that based on the beautiful words of 1 John 1, 9 that say, if we confess our sins, if we say the same thing about our sins that God says, if we do that, well, guess what? God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This may be one of the most profound verses in all of scripture, right? Because we're told by God, again, these words are breathed out by God himself. If you do this, okay? So we have a responsibility in this. If we confess, if we say the same thing about our sins that God says, then God will live up to his end of the deal. He will be faithful and just. God can't deny himself, which is great to hear, right? God can't deny himself. He will be faithful and just, and he will forgive and cleanse us from all wickedness. This is the promise that we have from God. If you do this, then I will do this over here. And so, again, maybe the greatest thing we can do today is just to have this quiet time of confession. And if you're not sure what that looks like or how to language that, I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the examine that is at the Just For You table in the lobby. The examine was introduced to us over the summer. It's an ancient prayer from St. Ignatius. Really a time of contemplation where we reflect on the day. Part of the reflection there involves confessing and it gives us language. So if you're wondering how to do that, I don't even know where to begin, then I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the examine and then fully step into the presence of God and confess and then accept the forgiveness of God. One more takeaway. Pay close attention to the gap between you and Jesus. Okay? Like we have to really look at that gap. And when there's no longer proximity when that escapes us, for whatever reason, we have to be ready and willing to address that. Here's an observation from the text, really from the life of Peter. When Peter was close to Jesus, things were okay. Not necessarily perfect because Peter is still human and he argued with Jesus. Imagine that, he did. But yet when he was close, things were okay. When Peter deserted, he began to follow Jesus from a distance. And when Peter lost that proximity, he ran into a lot of issues in life. And I think the same is true for all of us. So let's watch our proximity and pay attention to that gap between us and Jesus. When it exists, when it grows, we have to address that or we might find ourselves in trouble. A challenge for Valley Point. Following Jesus casually. Following Jesus when it fits our agenda. Following Jesus as a side hobby. Following Jesus when it just works for me. Following Jesus only on Sunday will create a gap. It will. So let's fix the gap 
and recognize that following Jesus is not a casual kind of thing. It's an all-in type of event, and Jesus needs to lead. And by the way, he's really good at it. He's really good at it. Back to the big idea. Spending time with Peter helps us know that while we may have lived at times in ways that are inconsistent with our pledge to follow Jesus, God does not, hear this, God does not define us by the worst things that we have done. And may God give us the strength now to embrace that and to live that where we live, work, and play. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to put your things away and set them over to the side for a moment. I have a benediction, a closing prayer that I want us all to share together that will just point our hearts and our minds in the direction of what Jesus wants for us in terms of following him. So we've asked Peter to mentor us, and I think this should be our declaration. So will you stand with me? And let's say this together. Lord, let me be your servant by serving others. As my guide, let me remember the way you humbly gave of yourself. Grant me the faith and the courage, in spite of my failings and my denials, to follow you wherever you call me to go. Amen. Father, we come to you so grateful for what you have left in Scripture. All of these individuals who failed, who stepped away from you, who lost proximity, there's so much that we can learn from them. And we have been sitting with Peter This individual who is faithful at times, but yet also messed up. And I think that's a lot like us. Father, we've left him running and weeping. And, and we're going to come back to the story as we allow him to coach us next week. And the week after that, we're going to come back to this and discover you restored him. And that's because you make amazing use of flawed, imperfect people. So God, however we are feeling about ourselves today, whether we're feeling great and forgiven and close to you, or maybe we feel very far from you because of things that have been said or things that we have done, our own sin, and that proximity is just gone. Or God, maybe there are some here who would say they're not even sure about God and his claims and not really sure about following Jesus. God, would you just speak to each one of us and may we be ready to say, okay, following Jesus, it's not a casual thing. He wants all of us and when we slip up and fail and dishonor you, boy, we can confess. And if we confess, you are faithful and just 
and you forgive us from all wickedness. Great news. Help us to walk in this today as we seek to follow Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.